0: Visit our website at oa org, where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Seppi. Hi, I'm Seppi, compulsive overeater. Hi. Um, God, what a treat. Thank you so much, Walter, for asking me to speak. I always get nervous here because I am going to be recorded, and I have to make it for a certain number of minutes without cussing, so that's always cause for concern. So i like, oh, God, help me <laughs> say the right thing. Um, I'll stick to the regular format of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I came to the program, I think, in well, oh, I just, I just skipped that. Uh, sorry, at 21 years of abstinence, a very, very um, imperfect abstinence, but I've perfectly not had refined sugar for 21 years. And thanks. yeah, I know. Can you imagine? Never made it to 8:15 without stuffing something down my throat. Um, and um, what <laughs> what happened? Uh, what was it like? Um, I actually grew up as a very, very skinny kid. I was a little ballerina. I'm an only child. My parents, as far as I know, loved me to pieces. Again, as far as I recall, there was no um, physical or emotional or any other kind of abuse. But I certainly remember, even from my earliest recollection, that I felt less than and different. And soft. even my the, the kids that I played with, somehow I kind of felt they all knew something that I didn't, and the joke was always at my expense. So I really don't spend too much time trying to think if this is genetic, if this is acquired. I, I really don't care. Um, I'm, very, uh, I'm glad. I just never really thought about that. I mean, I don't, just don't spend too much energy on it. Certainly there are some things that I now, the more I know, I realize, oh, maybe my parents didn't do that right. Ooh, maybe they probably shouldn't have said that. But you know, compared to so many other stories that I've heard, they were just fabulous and God love them. How I feel is I just, I can't even trace it back. But I was a little you know um, I was an athlete, track star, just everything, everything, everything. Um, but just at the same time that I craved the attention, I I felt horrible when it was on me, um, and that just that feeling of being less than, and um, my parents actually had a big challenge getting me to eat when I was a little girl, I vividly remember them chasing me around the house with a spoon, trying to get me to eat, and it just didn't happen, I just hated regular food, I mean, I always had fruit, and I always had sweets, and to this day, if you leave me alone, that's how I want to eat, just let me have my fruit and my Napoleon, and then I'll be really happy, um, I think, I, I don't think, I know I started using food as something to comfort me um, in, when I hit 12. In one year, um, my parents got a divorce. They sent me off to boarding school in England, so it was that, you know, they wanted, they wanted me to not be there for the ugliness, so they just sent me off. And I think I hit puberty at the same time. So I, I remember sitting there and buttering a toast and saying, I don't like butter. What am I doing? And yet I couldn't stop. So truly, I, I, I remember that moment. I was watching Bewitched. I think I'm like, why am I doing this? I hate butter. And I don't know. I just ate. And, you know, of course, you know the rest of the story. I went to boarding school, an all-girls boarding school. That's all the fun we had. Binge, feast, everything around was food, food, food. So then food started taking off in earnest. A lot of overeating, but I mean, that's just, I don't know how much of it was a compulsive overeating and how much of it was just a typical teenager. But this is the part where I know I'm different, and I'll get back to the head being different over and over again. I went there, I went to England with my cousin, and both of us gained weight, and both of us went back home for summer. And I remember her, her, all our parents are just telling me, what happened to you guys? You know, what, what did they feed you over there? And I remember that even though my cousin felt awful, you know, here we are, 12, 13-year-old girls, she still managed to do all the things you would do during a summer vacation. She'd go swimming, water skiing. She just had an active life. And I just wanted to slit my throat. I, I wouldn't do anything. I was horrified. I would not go out and see my friends um, who were very happy for my return for, till I had lost some weight. So that right there is my indication that something about me was off. It, it wasn't really the weight, but everything about this is off. And no amount of being in this program has made this any better. I'm, I'm very sorry to say I'm a hardcore, very hardcore compulsive overeater, and um, I may never wake up thinking straight. It's just off. Something is permanently off. I just, now I know how to ask for help a lot sooner than I did. That's really the net net of it. Um, so what happened? So then, after a few years of being overweight and going home for summers and losing weight, then I became anorexic, and that was a joy. You know, my th- then that vacation when I went home, I couldn't get in the water because my jaws locked because I was so I, I was just sitting there shivering in 90 degree temperature like this. Um, that that was delightful, but I can tell you that, I mean, and I remind myself now that I had no more approval looking at myself at 80 pounds than I did at 155 pounds. I still looked in the mirror, and I, you know, it was just, you know, shave off five more pounds, and how many more hours can I run on the spot without the housemate from coming and finding me. So that was that, that little experience. Then my parents said, okay, clarity you need help, so forget boarding school. We're going to send you off to school to college in the U.S. Okay? I came here and I went from an all girls boarding school to a co-ed dorm. <laughs> I definitely was not equipped to deal with that. So once again I found myself um, and you know, we, we laugh about, yeah I, I was in front of the Um, candy machine at night and eating Almond Joy. I can't stand almonds. I can't stand marzipan. They're just just these things that I can't stand. And I would be like, why? Why? And I had no idea why. I just did it over and over and over again. So college was just like a little haze of hating myself. Um, I think in college. I don't think I know. I did drugs, um, all uppers, never downers, just to lose my appetite, and they all worked temporarily. But of course, you know, you just go back and you a lot more in a condensed amount of time. Um, Still, nothing. I just had no idea that there's. I I knew that I was. There was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what. And then I graduated, moved to Los Angeles. And a friend of mine, oh, no, 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 this is, this is the real thing. I did hear about the term, I read about the term compulsive reading in a magazine. And I read it, and at that time, I don't think I knew any alcoholics, but for some reason I just knew that alcoholism was something serious and credible. And when I read that and it drew an analogy with alcoholism, all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay. Maybe I'm not just off. Maybe there's a known problem with me. So something went off. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's, I recognize myself. And then I came here, and a friend of mine took me to a Serenity Sunday. I don't know how many years ago that was, 1986. And I remember Jack from there. And um, he got up. He said, my name is Jack. And he said something. And he said, I wait 300-some-odd pounds. I was like, Jesus Christ. okay. Um, He got my attention. He got my attention. But just pretty much like everybody else, as soon as I heard um, God, I was just disgusted. And um, I'm not, well, yeah, I was disgusted. I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm very sorry. I got my hopes up, but this isn't right for me. I do come from a family that is not religious at all, doesn't really have much respect for anyone who is religious, um, and I never knew the difference between religion and spirituality till I was here. So you just mentioned higher power. You mentioned anything other than education, and you kind of lost me. So I thought I don't have time for this. I don't have two days to go a week and sit there and listen to this mishmash about God. <laughs> you know, I had time every night to go sit in front of my TV from six o'clock after work to when I passed out. But clearly, I didn't have enough time to come here. Um, But exactly as they say, you know, nothing about my story is original. Exactly as they say, the seed was planted. So I just knew, you know in your gut that you're going to end up here. And shots and psychotherapy and uh, what other crap did I try? Um, That thing you put, acupuncture, pressure, all of that stuff. I just knew I'm buying time. Um, And, you know, I've cut... Obviously, I tried all the diets that were fashionable then, and none of them lasted for a long time. Um, I got in a very bad car accident. I was in Cedars for a while, and I said, God, if you let me walk, I'll go back to OA, and I will never complain about my weight again. So, sure enough, actually, no, not sure enough. I didn't keep my thing deal with God. I that I woke up after being in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and I, my first question was, you know, have I lost weight? And I had, but <laughs> yes. um, I was home recuperating with a walker, and I started gaining weight with a walker. And I'm not talking to walkers that have a stand where you can rest your your plate. I'm talking just kind of with a broken pelvis, just kind of shuffling to the refrigerator enough times that I consumed more than I took in, and uh, then I burnt up. So I came to OA. Hallelujah. I'm finally here. Um, and I, I'm one of the people who really just eased into it. I didn't dive into anything. I, st- I would always walk into kitchen sink, uh, uh, log cabin after the meeting started so that I wouldn't have to speak to anyone. And I always left before the prayer because I didn't want to hold anyone's hand and I didn't know the prayer. So I just kind of eased in. But it, you just... I want to say if you're just willing, it happens, and I realize that it's a gift to be willing. I don't know why I never had to leave here. I thank God every day. If I got one thing right, is to just get it straight, That just keep coming here, because there's no other way. Um, And a lovely lady came up to me, and I found out later that the day she talked to me, she had about, I don't know, 30 days of abstinence, and I thought she walked on water, and she asked me, uh, can you not eat sugar today? I said absolutely not. And she said, okay, let, let's let's think about this again. Um, is can you eat stuff that is not made with regular sugar? But you know, we can go to Irwan and get something fruit juice sweetened. And I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can go to you know. If it's just, I can still have fruit juice, sweetened pie, right? And she said, absolutely. Just don't, you can't have regular sugar. And that's how it started. It was that simple. Um, it was literally one other person who subsequently faltered helping another person. And, you know, just both of us fumbling our way through this. That's all it was. And it's been very, very gradual for me. Um, But I've never stopped coming to OA. I've never said never to anything. Um, I I don't know. Maybe it would have been my recovery and my my peace of mind would have been faster if I had done things at an accelerated rate. But, you know, I I got my life is just compared to what it could have been like is amazing. I'll take it at this exact same pace. Um, I my um, food in the program hasn't been perfect, uh, and it, I'm one of the people, I know some people, there are those people in a way who really are at peace with food. And to me, they just are, I don't know what kind of celestial thing they are. I can't believe and it's <laughs> possible to really be at peace with food. I'm not at peace with food. It's, I, will never, I will not mess with sugar, but... God, I've messed around with sugar-free crap and paid the price for it dearly. And I don't recommend anybody does that. So there is a, you know, please don't do what I do. <laughs> it's not easy. But it, it was something. Um, it re, but really, the relationship with God is... I, you know, I can't believe I keep saying the word God every time it comes out of my mouth. I'm like, ugh, I've turned into what I used to judge. Um, yeah, I just can't believe these things are coming out of my mouth, but they are. Uh, my relationship with God uh, started my second week in the program. Um, I was in a car accident, and um, I did what I usually Oh. I was in the car accident on the corner of La Brea and Pico, and there was a donut shop there. And I said, okay, God, if you really can help with food, although I know you help alcoholics with something as serious as alcohol. I find it very hard to believe that you're going to really take food and sugar seriously. But, okay, I'll I'll go along. If you're really there, help me not walk to that thing because I can't deal with the fear of what this car accident means I'm late for work, I probably don't have money to repair my car help me I, I just want a bear call and somehow, I don't know why, I never made it there, maybe it was because the police came, I have no idea but I did not go there and it's just And and that's just the way it started. And the next time it's in the grocery store, you know, just stopping in front of the M&Ms and saying, okay, you're the one who's going to have to pull me away from this because this is tonight's bag. This one-time thing is coming with me unless you do something. And, of course, he did something that had been unprecedented. And all along, everything, when I have genuinely asked him to do something for me, it has happened. There have been a lot of times where there haven't been genuine efforts. You know, they're like, I'm like, okay, God, please stop me from eating this frozen yogurt, and then I go to five stores. Well, if the first two don't have it, maybe it's a clue that that's God trying to stop me. <laughs> Every time I've been genuine, he's been right there. Um, and I'm very, very clear that this, um, the longer I've been here, the, the more... Um, I've become clear on the fact that food truly is just a symptom. My, um, I, I always talk about this tape and because it just captures it so accurately. There's a tape I listened to by Bobby Earl, who's a speaker in AA, and he said that... Um, When he wakes up in the mornings, it's as if his mind is sitting on the bottom of the bed. And as soon as he opens his eyes, his mind says, Ooh, I'm glad you're awake. We're we're ready to get started. And before his feet hit hit the ground, his mind is there telling him, Well, you didn't sleep enough, so you're too tired. So you're going to be too tired to go to work, and when you're in work, you're going to fall asleep, and they're going to fire you. So what's the point of going to work? You're too tired. You're without a job, and that bump on your knee is bone cancer. So and it, I mean, I'm like, when I heard that in the, and when I heard that tape, I just started laughing my ass off because, oops, there it goes, because it's so accurate, and I have nothing in common with Bobby Earle, Nothing about our. Op- Bringing is similar, yet this man whom I've never met perfectly mirrored what goes on in my head all the time. Um, that in and of itself was, on the one hand, very um, comforting, on the other hand, very um, sad, because... Um, I think, I really wanted to think I'm very special. Something about my case is different. You know, I, I'm different. I'm special. And I've come to understand that I'm not. I'm extremely common. I'm just like every other addict. Every, and and that's, that has actually helped probably around year 10 I started. It hit me that, okay, I don't have an original fear I don't have an original problem. I don't have an original resentment. There's nothing about me that's original. Deal with it. So, as I said, on the one hand, it's comforting because you know people have gone through it. There's solution, and it works for everyone. On the other hand, you really it really bursts your bubble because you've got to get humble, and that's and uh, that's truly. I'm a hard ass about this. I really, really believe at the end of the day, 95% of my problems and the problems of my babies when they call me, all comes down to ego. By the time you get to popcorn, it's just 17 layers later. Something about your ego has, has kind of convinced you that that you're going to either lose something that's going to make you look good or you're not going to get something that's going to make you look good. And the, the way you deal with that is Food. But I'm very, very clear that if I take – I'm not a really anger-driven person. I'm very much a fear-driven person. So the part in the big book that talks about fear, I've probably read it, God knows how many millions of times. Um, All of my fears, including, you know, death, um, all of them – well, I guess that would be the ultimate. But they pretty much all come down to fear of losing – it's always – either losing something that I want or not getting something that I want, which is understandable, but 99% of those go back to what will others think of me? And that's very sad to say after this many years. And, you know, who I wouldn't have made that um, correlation between that. I mean, I wouldn't have seen how that leads me to eat. And I only got that here. Um, I love, love, love the structure of this program. I was in therapy. didn't help me worth a damn with food. I love the structure of this program. I love, um, not, that I, not that I'm not that i a structured person. I, I'm a defiant addict just like everybody else. As soon as you tell me this is what you have to do, I'm like, I don't think so. I'm going to do it this way. So, um, but I love the fact that there are so many people. There's so m- if I just listen, there's so many people, no matter how frightened I am at a given time, there's so many tangible stories that I hear, someone has gone through that, that it, there's no amount of self-pity that um, can stand up to the stories I hear in these rooms. Eventually, I'm like, okay, if that person did that with a health crisis, if that person did that with a financial situation with the relationship, with whatever. If they managed to go through that without eating, and not just they managed to go through that without eating, um, I don't think that would be enough for me. They managed to go through that without eating, and very, very frequently the solution to the problem is something that they didn't see how it was going to work out, and it worked out in an unexpected way through God. So I I need evidence. If it was just I just don't eat. I just don't eat. Well, yeah, obviously that when when I was in the throes of it, that was enough. But there I don't know if I'm rambling or not. But there's just so much evidence if you just are open-minded to see that if you do X Y and Z every single time you're going to get a good result. It doesn't look like what you think it should look like, but. If at the end of the day you're smiling and you have peace of mind, you you got what you wanted, and that's what I love. Because uh, two days alone with myself, my head goes to town, and it hasn't changed one iota, people. 21 years, not one iota. As I said, I'm very sorry to say I'm I'm not one of those people who who levitates and is, has it. Uh, you know, my mind just goes faster than my mouth does, um, but. There's, it's just so strong. It's so strong. You can't argue with the evidence. I do pride myself on being someone who is scientific. I'm in technology. And there's just so much evidence if you just listen and realize nothing about you is different or unique. Nothing about your food, about your weight, about your metabolism, about your problems. Nothing. Nothing that has, someone hasn't gone through before and come at the other end of it really, really well. And I just, I, I, no matter if I never had a weight problem, I couldn't have, my brain couldn't find that kind of peace. I re- read all these books on positive thinking and, um, you know, the, the secrets and all these things that talk, and how you, what you focus on, what you think about, you bring about, or whatever the phrase is. And then I get into this tizzy because I can't stop thinking fearful things. So I managed to dig myself into a hole with with, um, with these books. But it's only in AA, in that book, that says, we turn our fears... Oh, it, it just says one phrase, Bill says. You turn your fears over to God and promptly direct your attention to where, what he would have you be. That one sentence has just saved my life. I don't say... Okay, what is this doctor going to say? What is that one going to say? I'm saying, God, I I say this to him all the time. I can't outthink my head. Help me. I can't. You've got to take this from me. And then I just do whatever. If it's writing an email, if it's uh, picking up the phone, if it's whatever it is, the structure of this program is so unintuitive to my DNA, yet it has saved my ass. And I love it. I feel very passionately about it. Um, I have recently started working with a new sponsor. I have uh, I'm doing the steps all over again, and with every passing year, I just the um, I kind of go in a little deeper. I recently got married. Um, not recently, in 2006, and I had no idea what a nutcase I am. I really thought, you know, it's really easy to work this program when you're all alone. I I go to work. I'm a great employee. I'm of service. I've gone up the career ladder very successfully. All is well. I'm a loving daughter. I've done my inventory. I do the things that I can't, you know, make it as many amends. But I had no idea what a fundamental nutcase I was until I got married. And that's Horrible. I mean, I'm just like this frigging shrewd that I never... I, it's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's very humbling. That's very, very humbling to think 21 years... Well, When I got married, I was 19 years. Um, I had to start another program, and the issue is not him. It's me, and I hate saying that. That step one is a lot harder for me than food was because the evidence with food was... Right there, I had 20 some years to look at, and clearly there was a problem. But with this other one, to say that m- some of the, my expectations are, are because I'm crazy, they're not. Re- they're not those of a reasonable person. That's been very, very humbling. So I'm really doing step one again in a whole other area. And after 21 friggin' years, I hate it. But I have to do it because I also know that relief is possible because I've seen so many miracles. And there are so many other women in OA who are married who have shown me this is what you do now. This is what you say now. This is what you say to your sponsor. This is what you say to your husband. And I love that. Who can you, where can you go where people talk to you like that without thinking you're retarded? It's here. If you say, anybody else, tell me what it's okay to say to my husband, they'll look at you like you're nuts. Right? But you can say that here. You can say, what is appropriate for me to say tonight, just tonight? And somebody will tell you, this is what you say. Just as surely as somebody said, this is what you eat tonight. Can you commit to not... Eat this thing just for tonight. You can go binge on it tomorrow. And I'd say, yes, just as surely I'm doing it it here. Um, What else can I say? I I truly love, love this program. It breaks my heart when people come in and go out. It just really breaks my heart. Um, I remember when, you know, it's sweltering right now, and I'm, I'm itchy and sticky. But I remember when I was 50 pounds heavier than now, and I would wear... Sweatshirts in this weather because I was so mortified at what I look like. And you know what? It's only by the grace of... And probably no one would have given me a second thought. They were all probably equally miserable just focusing on themselves. But that's... The, the, the self-obsession is... You, you know, we've all had it and you know how awful it is. And no one can pull you out of it when you, you despise yourself. No one can pull you out of it. And I'm just so grateful because... It is only because of God that I am not making myself cooler by consuming 5,000 more calories. That's what I know. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm just, my solution to every solution is to go get frozen yogurt. It's not to sit in front of a fan. It's to go get frozen. That's where I go. That's my coping mechanism. I'm uncomfortable, shove something. I'm happy, shove something. I don't know what to do with my hands, shove something. That's still me. It will not change. Um, What else can I say? Oh, please people start having questions. I love this program. I love God. I passionately believe in it. And I have seen... uh, in every area, in health, in finances, in relationships, in work, in weight, in maintaining weight, I've seen miracles here that always, always defy conventional wisdom. As I said, I always you know, pride myself on being very scientific. So what are the chances of people who've lost 100 pounds keeping it off for two to five years? Well, only here do you have have a fighting chance. What are the chances of... Surviving this health challenge. Here I have 50 of them. What are the chances of you having self-destructed in your career or managing to not, you know, to break even again? Here you hear a million questions. And it's not because there's some, um, it's not because somehow we're the chosen people. It's because here they show, they teach me to just do the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Whereas previously I would have said, what's the point, you know, I'm going to die, what's the point, I'm going to be homeless, what's the point, you know, I'm going to, all my hair is going to fall out, what's the point, I'm going to have wrinkles, so when I'm 80, just, just screw it. That's, that really makes reasonable sense to me. In, and I go from that to this in a blink of an eye. And it's through here that says, okay, you, all of those things may be true, but for today, June 20th, can you please can you commit to doing X, Y, and Z? And it's those little tiny steps that account for all of those miracles that I hear. You know, there's no there's nothing other than doing the work. But I can't do the work without this and without God and without calling someone to say, you know, I don't I really, really wanna eat this thing. I don't see myself making it to five o'clock without eating this. And they say, Okay, can you make it to 435, okay, yeah, I can try that. That's how it works. That's still how it works for me. Um, and I love it, and thank well, I'm going to stop now. Thank you all for asking me to speak. <laughs> I'm going to open it up to a question, um, and hopefully I can provide some answers. Any questions, anyone? Yes. Yes, so, Sure. Did um, you talk about your willingness to exercise? Oh sure. Do and- you want me to repeat it? Um, uh, she asked if I could talk about my willingness to exercise and my relationship with what? With exercise with, and with the scale. With exercise and with the scale. Sure. Um, I, as I said, I was a little ballerina and I was a a jog, both. So losing my weight and getting back to exercising was something that. Um, I couldn't wait to do. So the, the years in between when I was heavy uh, were the part of my li- was a part of my life that felt foreign to me. Exercising feels normal. Having said that, this is how I started. Um, I had just started coming to OA. My cousin dropped me off at the gym, and somebody, and of course, I was wearing in the gym, big, heavy sweatpants and big, heavy sweatshirt. And I got on the life cycle on level one, did a, I think about 12 minutes, and he said he's going to come pick me up. I got off the life cycle, I went, he came to pick me up, and I passed out. Out! I mean, I'm a 26-year-old woman, out in Newport Beach in the middle of some big gym. That, that's how fit I was. Um, so here, I have, it's start, oops, there you go. I don't have a problem exercising, but I have a problem that I've heard here a lot, and that is beating myself up with exercising. So it's been very instrumental here to say this is the definition of normal exercise. This is the definition of over-exercising. I compare myself to the people who used to exercise five hours a day, so if I exercise an hour and a half, I'm normal. My My parents think I'm abnormal, but... It's the exercise part is I have it is for me now again going back to Bobby Earle I've really come to understand that for me as an addict with a lot of nervous energy it helps me but I can use it as um, I can abuse it sorry so a, a nervous person an addict we don't do well I don't do well with with this. If I have to channel it somehow. So I feel like I'm one of these dogs that I have to exhaust myself and only after I'm exhausted I can hear God. And I try to do that as much as off, as possible. And sometimes my meditation has literally been I do a hundred sit ups and the whole time I say, let go, let God, let go, let God. Um so exercise is an ongoing thing for me. It is a part of my life. I do feel guilty if I don't do it, what I'm accustomed to. And I have a dear friend in the program who says, "Honey, you've been doing this for 21 years. You've got a lifetime commitment." So um, I don't have a problem not uh, with doing it. I have a problem dialing it back. As far as scale is concerned, um, I'm kind of—I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm one of those people, no matter what that number says, it's an excuse for me to eat. If it's lower than I, than I thought, yay, I've got room to eat. If it's higher than I want, oh, shh, how bloody depressing. I want to eat. So for several, several years, I did not weigh myself at all. I just kind of went by my clothes. And I've been wearing the same clothes for 20-some odd years. Then recently, a friend of mine who's a 100-pounder pound, said, this is what I do. So I started weighing myself. And it is frightening to me. I, I don't deal with it. You know, it still has undue influence. It's more than just a device on the floor. Um, I think it's good because it took me a little out of the denial. You know, when I feel like, oh, my God, it's bursting at the seams, I say, okay, this is one pound, or when I think I'm w- whatever. So anything that has that much power over me is by definition not good, so I'm not normal with it yet. I don't think not weighing yourself all the time is a good idea because you could be off by 10 pounds, and I don't think being a slave to it is going to do you any good either. So this is one part of our disease that I still struggle with. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Stephanie. Sure. Um, how have your relationships transformed before OA, during OA, and now? I heard a uh, uh, – thank you. Uh, but The question was how have my relationships transformed? Before OA and after OA. I used to think I'm a really, really good friend and a good person. I really did. I thought I was very selfless and I was always there for my friends. I came to find out, like, everything else I've heard here that I really didn't want to hear is, oh, my God, what a manipulative bitch I was. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do anything for you and then I'll hold it over your head. That's pretty much what I did. You owe me. Um, And I loved being a victim over things. So my relationship... When I first got abstinent and when I first working, and by first, I mean the first ten years. You know, I don't mean just a year or two. The first ten years, um, after I did my inventory and I was skinny as a real and working out and going to my meetings and everything, um, I, was, I was not, I thought I was doing loving things and being honest to myself, but now in retrospect I see that I was harsh to people. I was trying to take care of myself so that I don't eat. But in the process of being uh, taking care of myself, I was very frequently selfish. But I've also heard that a lot from people who've been in the program a very, very long time. But even that is not unique. So that changes. I one time I heard a, a, an AA take this. One woman was talking about some of the things she'd grown up with and some of the abuse and how she made amends. And she would write, she would write a note to herself or to call her sponsor. What would a loving daughter do? And then she told in her story some of the things she did, and I couldn't believe she was willing to do that. So I have learned to say, what does a loving daughter do? What does a loving friend do? I do it. It's an, it's an action. A lot of times there's not feelings. There are not feelings behind it. But I do it, and somewhere along the fifth or sixth call, the feeling follows. So I would say... With most of my very old relationships, they all say that I'm calmer and their relationship has improved. And some people are not in my life anymore. Okay. Any questions? Oh, wow. You go first. Oh, we have three now. Okay. Sure. How did you get it? day day? How much to Okay. The question is how I did my inventory. If I did it in one sitting, if I sat down one session and I wrote it out, or um, if I did a certain amount every day. I've done probably three or four different big inventories. I've done one where um, I answered, I don't know, I think about 200 questions. No kidding. And the very first one that I did was just like the big book. I had three, four columns, and I wrote it out. And I did it, I don't remember, to be honest, you, it was so long ago. Um, I probably did it on over two, three different half-hour sessions. The one that had 200 questions, it was a long time. So I would do maybe two, three questions. Depend, you know, sometimes the question is so all-encompassing, you write three paragraphs, and then I would go through 15 questions that were one or two words each. Um, Now I'm doing a a fourth inventory based on another thing, and I try to do, I say half an hour a week. That's the best that I can do, and I have been doing half an hour a week. Sometimes it's one shot of half an hour. Sometimes it's the document is open on my computer, and when I just want to breathe from work, I, I do five minutes on one line item. So I say I've already defined who I'm resentful at, what they did, and then I'm at the part where it says, what does it affecting in you? Uh, yeah. So, some, it, you know, truly, really, my goal is half an hour a week. But anyway, you do it. It just don't, it's not this monstrous thing. And, you know, it's not this shameful thing. It's a fabulous thing. Just do it because you, you're not going to believe how much better you feel after all those things that you think someone is going to say, ooh, what a disgusting person. And they're like, okay, now what, honey? It's really good to do it. Well? I was going to ask you how you Step 11. Oh, I just really started getting good with Step 11. I just really started meditating. Um, 21 years later, I just started meditating. I talk to God all the time. I've always talked to God all the time. But that's prayer. That's very little meditation. So, as I said, talking to God is from during sit-ups to... When I'm in the office and I'm going into a meeting, I say, God, you've got to come in here with me. I can't do this. I'm scared. To when I used to, in my early abstinence, my family lived in um, Newport Beach, and I lived up here in L.A., and every time I went down to Newport, it was food fest. I'm Persian, so they had Persian food, and they would try to feed me, and they, they call Alcoholics Anonymous Assholes Anonymous, so they're not really supportive of that. So it was just like, I don't eat sugar. Oh, honey, but this this little piece of cake, that's not. Okay, how do I say this? So every weekend that I went there, I would feel like they, have, they, they don't acknowledge anything about me. They don't know me. They try to shove food down my throat. So I wouldn't eat what they gave me, but out of resentment, I would go to Mother's on, on Santa Ana and buy two pounds of fruit juice sweetened granola. And I used to say, God, you've got to walk into this house with me. God, you've got to help me. So talking to God, my past knows my story. I, every week I'm, I convince myself that I've got some kind of an in, incurable disease. I'm walking into every doctor's office. God, you've got to come with me. So he, I'm always talking to him. But the actual listening, Um, As far as meditate, well, first of all, as far as listening, you have the people in the program. Some some of my friends say things to me that, and I say, Terrell, you said that to me. He says, I did? I have no idea where that came from. So a lot of times I hear God through other people. But the actual physical sitting myself down to meditate, I've just recently been, I've been doing it since March. And I don't know if anything is different in my life since I've been doing it, but I do know that I'm, I'm I'm agitated on the mornings that I can't do it. I'm rushing Sometimes I don't have enough time. I've got to rush for a morning meeting. And um, I I guess I do have a little more of a profound peace because it just, the memory from this morning is with me more frequently. When I just kind of said, yeah, I I can, you know, I'm I'm here. Do with me what you want. So that, that little ten minutes of meditation serves me better during the day. That's my step 11. Sure. That's it? Yes. Thank you for letting me share.